People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is brought to you by Found Item Clothing and BunnySlippers.com. This particular poetry reading is brought to you by Hippocampus Press and Dot Donuts, one of the finest donuts in Vancouver, Washington. Check out Dot Donuts at DotDonuts.com. If you're in East Vancouver and you want a really tasty donut, it's not fried in gross vegetable oil, but palm oil. Decorated by yours truly, D.B. Spitzer. Check out Dot Donuts. Alright, let's check out this poetry. Uh, Derek said some stuff. Derek uh, Hussey, uh, the, uh, what do you call him, uh, publisher of Hippocampus Press, said some things, and I uh, couldn't record him because it was in a pool hall, but, you know, hey, now I'm recording it uh, in the studio at home. So here is the poetry reading uh, from Sam's Billiard Saturday, uh, December, uh, October 6th. I can't recall. Anyway, no. You can figure out what day it was. All right, here's the stuff. And I, uh, I unfortunately did not get the first recording or the first poet and, uh, or the funny stuff that Derek said. And it was really funny. We were drinking absinthe and eating uh, deli meats, and I, I brought donuts. All right, here we go. The People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Sounds brilliant. H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Cthulhu Con, 2017. Spooky Laugh. Ago, and I liked it. We had, we were both, no, we were both completely unknown back then, just total amateurs. I read his uh, poem in a magazine on, on the internet, and I said, "Wow, this guy thinks like I do." So I got permission from the editors to email him, and that's how this group. I think that's the very beginning of the Crimson Circle. Is me and Dave started corresponding. So that's like that poem right there is like. Pretty important for that reason. <laughs> He's the first writer I ever knew besides myself. <laughs> All right. What to read? What to read? Well, I think I'll read some poems from my book, The Crimson Tone. <laughs> so, in honor of Ashley here and her book coming out, I'm going to read uh, a poem about the invented character Ashiel that Dave did uh, one of his poems that I think that poem invented this character and I sort of it's kind of like a fictional version of Ashley. <laughs> so this, this one's called Ashiel's Mirror. Combing her long and darkly lustrous mane with langer-laden eyelids, Ashiel admires her image in a mirror made in semblance of a yawning demon's head. Her sinful flesh is fair as porcelain. Her purple lids crown lapis eyes that dwell 
upon her own, her lips that lately prayed to fiends infernal burn a bloody red. Her beauty would befit a Grecian fame, yet gazing in her glass she cannot quell a terrible lust for beauty, not displayed by any goddess yet alive or dead. Her perfect features, fair beyond all gain, she fain would make more fair, and yet no spell, no sorcery avails, none have arrayed her with more charms, however darkly she has pled. So she grows bored of all things in this vein, she tires of beauty, how to end this hell of unimproved perfection, unallayed something from which all beauty has been bled. Now mirrored sits a corpse reflected plain, a rotted lover from a dungeon cell. The mirror's boredom strangely seems to fade, its yawn a smile, its newfound craving fed.
flames on curse while Pergus awaken where lies old Dacian pillage. But my treasure long lost fills a grave over Most in the black Transylvanian darkness. A castle stands whose ruins will never forget a romance medieval. Where forget a romance medieval. Where the wild rose entwines under Luna's white times in the black Transylvanian darkness. The land beyond the forest forever enslaves my soul to its evil. Neath Carpathian spells in this hell of all hells in the black Transylvanian darkness. Yeah, that's that one. this and project, so <laughs> I lost my spot for a second. <laughs> You'll never catch me making a mistake in writing, but speaking sometimes. <laughs> no, it's alright. I'm trying to look at you guys. These are available for $20 each if anyone's interested. High quality G-Play prints straight from England. Straight from from. This one is titled Absinthia. I hear some of you like this particular quotation. This, this wondrous poison of the verdant variety. She comes to me from out the emerald gloom that gathers in the shadows of my room. When I am nodding, drunk with sharp perfume, the breath of absinthe from my crystal glass. She is a languid, strange, smaragdine girl whose verdant tresses flowingly unfurl. Pale sprigs of mudwort weave her crown and curl around bare arms and beck and morass. Her mouth of wormwood, ah, her bitter kiss, delivers me into the green abyss. Upon her bosom's herby couch, the bliss of poisonous nepenthe fills my soul. And yet Absinthia so soon is gone, and in the liquor's cloudy celadon, I see a sad reflection, worn and wan, a ghoulish thing deformed by time's grim toll. For $20, this could be yours. We'll sign it for you. <laughs> Gotta monetize that. <laughs> People like art. We should monetize on it. <laughs> so this one goes out to Rob Matheny, my my spice brother, my pumpkin spice enthusiast. <laughs> oh, it's called it's called the Crimson Unicorn. It uh, displays a unicorn paling a skeleton. There's some bones and a earbud. It's like everything you ever wanted in an artwork. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not really showing you. Oh, no, that's fine. It's <laughs> on my van. It's kind of in valid form, so this will give you a little warm up for Adam Boulevard. For Doom to see who meets that mare, the crimson unicorn. Glimpse red within her woodland lair, and one nears dangers born. They say she gets her sanguine hue by bathing in the blood 
of humans she has skewered through for wood. But warning always does she send the charnel drone of flies that always has a cloud intent the blood that onward drives. Who hears the swarm or breathes the blast of stench that soon entails must try to quit the wood in haste its verdant jives and jails. But if the trees care not to let flee who offends their guard with snares of vines, the wood will net him and his flight retard. And then the crimson unicorn will leap from out the leaves and fiercely pierce with her black horn his chest while yet it heaves. My other weird thing that I'm known for is fungal imagery, which harkens back, of course, to Lovecraft and the fungi or fungi from Yugoth, Hodgson, and all that good weird stuff. This one is called the Fungal Nymph. Very weird. She leaves a trail of toadstools where she walks and wears for crown a mushroom diadem and tiny toadstools from her lashes stem. And there is something strange about her locks, the way these, the way these living raven tresses twine around my flesh as with some fell design. Although she has such lovely violet eyes, dark kikion pours through her purple kiss. And though her limbs embrace is all my bliss, they are not pale like other nymphs, I prize. They are a fungus gray and half as warm. Her slender fingers vaguely, vaguely strange in form. And yet her sweet, seductive whispers lull me into trance. She pants forth perfumed spores, of which I deeply breathe through mouth and pores. Her parasitic fingertips my skull invade with every loving slow caress. Just why they left her there, I dare not guess. Her Amanita mottled bosom bears me off the shadowed lands of mushroom dreams. As slumbering, I lie there, fungal gleams of moonlight spurring what the sun compares. The thousand toadstools fruiting from my flesh, oblivious as man in mushroom mesh. That's that. Spooky lady poem. Well, there's a there's a few uh, what they call spooky lady poems in my book. Spooky lady. As as D. B. Spitzer terms it. You know, for my next poem, I think I'll read. My poem that will appear in Black Wings of Cthulhu 6. It's called To Court the Night. It was at midnight, while the imp of sleep, yet frolicking with the sylphs beyond my grasp, that I espied the blood red book whose clasp was wrought of bronze and then began to weep. For was it not the fabled crimson tome? that I had once beheld in childhood dream. It lay upon my desk in doubtful gleam of sallow candles set against the gloam. 
I had awaited this for 50 years to glimpse its haunted pages just one time. So as the clock declared its 13th chime and Damon whispered, and Damon's whispered madness in my ears, I opened up the pretty clasp and poured over vermilion verses eviler and more diseased than I could then endure. I howled for mercy and misericorde. I heard the tainted laughter of the ghouls, borne on the winds that through the window swirled to strow dead leaves of autumn, sear and curled, upon the carpet where strange pixie stools began to fruit their foul fecundity, borne on the winds that and sneer with half-formed faces where the wild demean of nature had, I saw, defiled my gloomy chamber's far profundity. Nearly ensnared, I braved the ivy vines that slithered past the threshold of the night to clutch the clawfoot chairs, an aconite of primal nature, spreading creeping tines of pagan poison through my, war my home's warm heart. I hurtled headlong through the window, wide into the night, to court my darkling bride, a victim of her necromantic art. O nightmare muse, she of the long, dark hair, she of fair flesh and poisoned apple lips. She plied a pendulum of swaying hips, her sable gown whipped up on windy air. Yes, I had seen her walking by the woods, and so I hastened towards their gloomy verge. A distant owl sang out its mournful dirge, and somber monks in ranks of brownish hoods bore forth a coffin from a chapel carved with evil gargoyles, which regarded them with hungry grins as if they would condemn the precious corpse unto the ghouls long starved. The hungry ghouls, I heard their laughter still, and followed it among the clutching trees. The scent of rot was strong upon the breeze, dead autumn leaves exhumed cadavers chill. The crescent moon ascended murky skies, for night is darkest neath her silver horns. Aldebaran, above the dream-held horns, beamed like a crimson flame that slowly dies. I came at last upon a graveyard gate whose gothic lacework, ivy overgrown, hung just ajar and nightshade breezes blown, the iron hinges crying beneath its weight. A single lantern charmed the mist beyond, and toward its ghostly light I slowly passed. Mid ruined graves, gray weeds had overgrassed, upon whose plot disturbing mushrooms spawned. A pack of ghouls dispersed at my approach, mere phantom shapes that roamed the greenish mist in search of corpses whom decay had kissed, the rotting province of the pestful roach. The lantern shone upon an open grave, and in the coffin's purple velvet slept, a pallid beauty waiting to accept the adoration of a living slave. I laid me down inside her lavish bed to taste her lips' fair proserpina's fruits, and necrophilia's most proud pursuits I would indulge, a lover of the dead. But lo, her bosom held a heart's dim beat, and from her mouth there stole a ghost of breath. Her lashes fringed portcullis, closed on death, began to lift her lilac lids replete with promises of life ephemeral, if only for a moment's romance doomed ere dawn of time. But then some devil loomed above the grave, so fair funereal, 
and it was she, the Nightmare Muse, my queen, and gowned in black and crowned with cold, dead stars. Her lips, a rose bloom sapped with poison tars, promised a luscious kiss so deep, obscene, and sensual that I could not resist the promise of their cup, despite the pale, white-gowned beauty waking from the dwell of death beneath me, cheeks now scarlet-kissed. And so I turned to bid the girl goodbye, but only saw a desiccated corpse, a fruit with that foul mushroom cap which warps the dreams of men and drinks them when they die. I heard the harlot's laughter on the air, and from that fungus drug mirage I fled into the autumn woodlands filled with dread, Aldebaran and orange eternal glare. Among the ghouls toward that dreamward star, I stumbled on through slumber's ebon gates. After that black-gowned beauty, who awaits? All foolish dreamers dare dream too far. I think I'll I think I'll read uh, one more short one. Actually, I should read my tributes. So this is my tribute poem for Ashley. It appears in her uh, new collection, Diary of a Sorceress, by way of tribute. It's called My Lady of the Nightshade Flower. My lady of the nightshade flower, your eyes of twilight dwell, have gazed upon Endymion, who dreams in yonder vale. My lady of the nightshade flower, your poison purple lips have whispered spells in blooming hells where honeyed nectar drips. My lady of the nightshade flower, your sable fragrant hair is crowned with wreaths whose blossom breathes dim drugs upon the air. My lady of the nightshade flower, whose flesh is petal pale, oh sing your songs for evening longs, for Belladonna's veil. Last one. This uh, this poem, poem is based on a, a short story by Adam Boulevard. It's called Mary of the Rosy Grave. Mary neath the weeping willow. Mary of the rosy grave, I would make for me a pillow, mint your bosom's ivory nave. Mary in your ruby bedding, Mary like a moonlight gem, soon shall be our blessed wedding, mushroom ring our diadem. Mary, dead and yet undying, Mary, uncorrupted rock, I have heard you softly sighing in your warm and perfumed plot. Mary, I have heard the demon. Mary, does he tell me lies? Mary, make of me your leaven. Drink my soul and rise. That's it. So, on we move to the main course. Which I think Adam Boulevard is up next, and after him we're going to have Ashley Diosis as the finale. Again, special thanks to Derek Hussey of Hippocampus Press. Please check out hippocampuspress.com and see all the cool things that Hippocampus Press has to offer. 
I personally am a big fan of one of Scott Connor's great books about Clark Ashton Smith. Uh, something with fantastic in the title. I'm awful at title names. Good thing I review books. Also, why not go to founditemclothing.com and get a cool t-shirt from your favorite cult film. Or get a cool pair of Cthulhu slippers from bunnyslippers.com. You know what else they got? All kinds of cool slippers. All kinds of animal slippers. All kinds of cool things like USB slippers. Did you know about those? Yeah, they exist. What about slippers you put in the microwave? Yep, keep your feet warm while things are cold. Uh, again, thanks to all the poets that were involved, thanks to Sam's Billiards, and thanks to the HP Lovecraft Film Festival and Cthulhu Con. You can help support PGTTCM.com so they can go to other events like this by going to the donate button on PGTTCM and PGTTCM.podbean.com. Thank you so much. Back to the poetry. This is what I came up with. It's called The Ballad of Jack Keeper. This is the ballad of stingy Jack Keeper, always a step ahead of the reaper. The further he swam, he sank a bit deeper. Hear ye the wages of poor old Jack Keeper. He hoarded his gold in a tattered silk bag, his shoes shot with holes, his shirt a torn rag. The floors of his house had carpets of dust. He served a few guests a handful of crust. Jack watered his wine, he skipped on his tea. Not sugar or milk could anyone see. Pitching all of his pennies to slag, he had for a wife a doddering hag. To save himself ink, Jack wrote with his blood. To spill a small cup to Jack was a flood. Drinking, of course, he did very little. His bones were, his skin was quite dry, his bones very brittle. No children at all did run through Jack's house. So cold was inside, it kept not a mouse. No embers of wood on the fireplace burned, and under the covers the missus was spurned. No horses were groomed inside of Jack's stable. The dogs were long dead from begging at table. The cats had all fled to chase other mice. The only thing living, perhaps, were some lice. Bare bones for a body, a skull for a head. The plague struck at last, Jack Keeper was dead. Nobody wept or dug him a grave. No death knell was rung for his soul to be saved. To wander the earth will be Jack's black fate. Looking for food, his hunger to sate. So, uh, I, my main poetic form is balladry, and uh, ballads were, have been used since the Middle Ages to tell stories. And they're told in a very simple meter, eight syllables, six syllables, eight syllables, six syllables. And in iambic, uh, iambic meter, uh, like the Robin Hood tales were told in in the ballad form, uh, many Jack tales are told in that form. Uh, and I find it, I find it's a way of sort of channeling this sort of folk, oh, ancient folkloric energy. Well, anyway, I'm. I'm having a non-eloquent moment, so I'll just read it. <laughs> this, this one's called The King of Cats, and it appeared in Audient Void number one, the one that launched it all. It's, it, this, is, this is a very old tale. It was told, uh, what was it? It was told by uh, Sir Walter Scott to Nathaniel Hawthorne. And, and uh, well, I'll tell it to you now. 
as I was walking in the wood, I came upon a place where once a manor house had stood, and now a thorn-grown space, in which a funeral of cats with reverence laid to rest, a coffin carven with a crown, its workmanship the best. Well, I was horror-stricken by this supernatural scene, and hastened from that haunted spot, half mad from what I'd seen. But this affair compelled me then to call upon a friend, and tell him of the strangeness that few poets could have penned. Well, scarcely had my tale been told when I a marvel saw, a cat which slept before the fire quite archly raised a paw. Then I am king of cats, he said, and with a blinding flash, a scrambled up the chimney flue while I choked on the ash. <laughs> for the very first horror novel ever written in 1850. It was called Beware the Cat. Look it up on Wikipedia when you get home. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read a, uh, a tribute poem to Ashley, uh, which I wrote for her new collection, uh, Diary of a Sorceress. It's called A Page from Jack's Diary. It goes like this. I sing the Lady Ashiel, whose witchcraft none could quell, who in the gloom of night would dwell to conjure fiends from hell. I wandered far across the land and always heard the same, from ice of north to southern sand is feared this lady's name. And so into the waste I struck to find the sorceress. And though I, I knew I pushed my luck, I frankly must confess that more than Eden heard demon ways, her pulchritude was told, and for a sight I trudged for days this fairness to behold. At last I came where once she dwelt, a ruin black and cold, and there before a grave I knelt, rain-worn and very old, embracing it was with prickly thorn, a crimson rose there grew, the lady's lover bowed forlorn, and I wept for love so true. So this one is a, is a prose poem because Obadiah there specifically requested that people submit a prose poem, so I'm going to try my luck. And I'm a pretty lucky guy. Lazarus Craven nursed a secret passion for the grave. In the dead of night, he would steal from his ramshackle palisade of wormy clabberts and rusty nails and visit, visit the graveyard at the edge of town, eschewing the company of his living neighbors, preferred instead to call upon his familiar crypts and gravestones where he would drink cup after cup of wormwood tea. Under a willow tree lay his favorite grave, which bore an unpolished stone in which was lovingly chiseled the single name Mary. No family name, no dates, just Mary. The stone was the color of rose, a gentle pink by day, flushing blood red at night. Lazarus's love for Mary grew stronger with each visit. In time, he spent all his nights with her, curling up to her stone to feel the seeping warmth 
which he had patiently gathered for him during the day. He rarely went out into the light anymore. His skin was pale and drawn, his teeth sharp and pointed like a rat's from eating dry crusts of bread. The pleasures of life no longer gave him joy, only his love for Mary. But as the nights of autumn grew shorter, the stone grew ever colder when what he craved was warmth. Lazarus's craving was felt by Duma in the nethermost pit of the deep. Duma, the lord of putrefaction and decay, who said unto him, Get thee thy spade and shovel. So the next night, Lazarus got his spade and shovel and dug into the worm-crawling into the worm-crawling earth. He dug through the gnarled, creeping roots of the willow tree until the iron tip of his shovel struck solid oak, a coffin carved with a lonely letter M. And Duma said unto him, Get thee thy hammer and crowbar. So Lazarus returned the next night with his hammer and crowbar and prized open the coffin to behold an ivory-skinned maiden set like a jewel upon a shimmering bed of ruby-red velvet. And Duma said, Get thee thy sickle and scythe. The next night the wolf wind howled and tore his flesh with icy claws when Lazarus came to reap his bloody harvest. He lay down in the open grave, taking his unnatural pleasures with his demon bride, until the robin chirped the first stirrings of dawn when he scurried back to his hole to await the coming of night. His unspeakable passion grew stronger as the nights grew longer, and the white blanket of snow that settled over the ground only kindled his craving for Mary, whose bosom swelled with warmth as the winter wore on. But he found his own body was growing colder, his skin was icy to the touch, and he could no longer feel his fingers and toes. And one night, in the dead of winter, the cock crowed the dawn, and he could no longer summon the strength to rise from his embrace with Mary, whose lips twisted into a cruel smile as she rose from the grave and, with his own shovel, buried Lazarus Craven's lifeless body beneath the cold, cold earth. <laughs> Duma lies beneath the ground, telling lies without a sound. Mariner, which um, John Shirley will know, uh, he wrote a story called The Rhyme of the Cosmic Mariner, which was kind of along the same theme. It's, it's based on H.P. Lovecraft's uh, short story, Call of Cthulhu, which you may have heard of, I don't know. He's kind of an obscure author. <laughs> you probably never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, know. I, I barely know who he is. That blowhard. <laughs> that blowhard, yeah. The greatest mercy in the world, I think, is we are blind to contents that lie tightly furled asleep within the mind. Well, it was, on, it was at a wedding feast where I was next of kin, a host of fishy relatives, the church had just gone in, when did a staring lunatic upon me lay a hand. His face grew like the prickly thorn, his, his beard grew like the prickly thorn, his face in tropics tan. It was an eldritch mariner made hoary in short years, for he had seen with his own eyes what lurks in darkest fears. That is not dead, that is not dead, he raved to me, which can eternal lie. And with 
eon strangeness may one day cause even death to die. It started with a raven that had roosted on the mast. I tried to disregard its cause, which drove me mad at last. We sailed the fetid southern seas, its waters thick as ooze. The constellations alien, our constellation booze. Twas on a drunken, sleepless night that I, I took up my gun and to shoot the raven through the heart, and so the deal was done. Mayhap it was Grim Odin's bird that recklessly I'd slain. And it was then the ocean groaned as if it were in pain. The latitude and longitude I'll carry to my tomb. For it was then a city rose where sleeps our race's doom. My crewmates' faces turned pale white, just like that maiden death, who steals you with blood red with the blood red lips and steals your fi final breath. We lit upon the island shore of slime stick stones and mud, and staggered through a ruin that gushed terrors in a flood. Across the titan masonry, we crawled like tiny ants, and what we saw there made us know the solid the solace nations. Nations grants. Vast horrors lay beneath those stones, of that there was no doubt. Their angles joined impossibly to Euclid's theorem's flout. We crossed the courtyard in a daze, a monstrous marketplace. With revelations, there we saw our minds could not keep pace. It was the Portuguese who climbed that demoniac stair to call us in a hoarsened voice with wild, disheveled hair. A cyclops door to hellish depths before us towered high. To call our actions reasonable would be to tell a lie. Without result, we pushed the door until the answer dawned. It hinged on a, on a diagonal, and like a maw, it yawned. The aperture was raven black and spewed out horrid things, which long had been imprisoned there and flew on filmy wings. The odor was unbearable. We heard a slopping sound as something lumbered towards the door from far beneath the ground. Cthulhu now was loose again and ravened for delight. Asleep of Vigintillian years, repulsive was the sight. For now the stars were right again. A mountain stumbled blind. A sticky star-spawned bat-winged god before us did we find. And what an age-old cult had failed by artifice to do, accomplished then by accident a random foolish crew. Its flabby claws swept up three men before they even turned. God rest their souls if there be rest, and not from heaven spurned. We plunged in terror over rocks whose angles most perplexed, and in the end, but two survived to witness what came next. My mate and I fled in the ship as fast as she could steam. The creature cursed us from the shore, just like the polypheme. The thing was bold and would not stop. It slid into the sea. The churning claimed my crewmate's mind, and soon a corpse was he. A desperate gamble I took then, and so reversed my course to, sp to speed towards the noxious thing and strike with lethal force. Relentlessly I drove the bow through jelly, foul and green, which burst and smelt of open graves, abhorrently unclean. I heard a seething sound astern, the sky spawn recombined, and then our distance wide and fast before I lost my mind. 
And now I've told my loathsome tale in hopes my soul to shrive. And yet I fear I will be cursed as long as I'm alive. Water, water everywhere, Cthulhu dreams below. Relia, Wagad, Nagalfatan, this blasphemy I know. The wedding guest then turned away, made mad from what he'd learned. And like the eldritch mariner, his soul now heaven spurred. Check one, check two. Cool. Alright, so my first poem is called Mirkala. It's based off of Sheridan Lesmanu's Carmilla. It was first published in Gothic Blue Book, Volume 5. The faintest wind from out the east so softly steals Across the lands of Styria, hell on the hills The palest maiden of the darkest hair of brown And languid eyes of deep allure to surely drown The weakest hearts arose from out the fallen wreckage and just emerging roots that overturned her period. Yet with the shock, a fate ensued, the maiden fell. She would be cared for, yet they were beneath her spell. Carmilla was her name, and though she seemed as sweet as sunlight's kiss to learn her secrets was a feat. Her words were like some lullabies adrift above, and such entrapments made the foolish fall in love. Yet her most silent secrets were more shrouded than the whispers of the moon and evening's wanting span. Before the maid became a guest and old nightmare, emerged from memory in which she strove to snare the senses of fair Laura, lady of the schloss. Yet that was surely fancy. She would not be crossed. The moon that night was full of such utterly charm. How could its silver radiance observe such harm? Decay and death ensued across the nearby town, yet death brought not a crease onto Carmilla's crown. Her midnight disappearances she claimed were walks in sleep, yet she could not account for all the locks. A weakness grew from needle pricks in Laura's breast, and a suspicion lurked and hinted toward their guest. Accompanied by a true friend, the Lord and Laura, abruptly trekked toward the plains of stone and flora. The very last of countesses would have been buried in tombs beneath the chapel whereto they were carried. The ruins of Karnstein, rumored grave of fine Mercala, the countess, Elias snakes, and swift as Paula, lay as if fast asleep and realization struck. Their guests lay in dull marble bathed in crimson muck. The axe was raised, her scream came forth all filled with dread. The axe then fell, and she was silenced, and she was dead.
Terror. And this one was published in Weird Fiction Review number 5 by Fetipede Press. It is called Lover's Witch. The sun's gold gleams beneath her skin and gives its warmth with every touch. Her eyes are gems, the moon's blue twins, which sparkle, barely hinting much. A promise of sweet heaven's kiss forever lures me to her home. Her gaze upon me is pure bliss, and that was how my soul was sold. Her love a spell is wound around my soul like lingering perfumes that emanate from floral crowns of belladonna all abloom. She is the star in its fierce fire, the moon in its deep darkest phase, the red, red rose of the great briar, a center garden in the maze. When those in favor fall from grace, her skin sears with hell's hottest flame. Her eyes grow dark with new moon's face, and lips give way to fang's quick aim. I am her lover, she my witch, she my desire, her only eye. Can coax the moon back from the pitch, and find gold from flame's last cry. Part two is from the opposite point of view. It was published in Special Realms number two by Biblical Express. It is called Witch's Love. Twin moons of palest crystal set in cerulean eyes, starfire, inflames its crown with ruby jets, and red is Hades' grandest pyre. My lavender and rose hip blend, enchanted with my witch's touch, was not used as I did intend. His heart at once was in my clutch. His taste is honey on my lips. His silver tongue is sweeter still. His touch is silk on my soft hips. His love is master of my will. He is the cosmos and its ice, the oak and its deep steadfast roots. The green absence and its high price, the diamond from the ash and suits. And only me his interest peaks, for I alone enrapture him. In me my magic love he seeks, for I choose love not on a whim. I am his witch and he my love, he my desire for only I. Can melt his ice from skies above, and temper his poisonous high.
hatred slowly brews as I show them that night is everlasting as is fear. They cannot fathom that I am their gem, the light in their deep darkness when I near. Who lights the heart of me in my dark mess? Who but the hot and burning stars whose breath of languid warmth gives me the soft caress of a pure love that transcends even death. Celestial lovers of the cold cosmos surround me and though they are still so far, like lovely Venus or red Mars' Diemos, I, in return the moon, shall kiss the stars. began to dim 
And as I enter the next room, the grim expressions of distracted languishment upon me look as moonbeams wet with limb. A grayish skin gazes eyeless through the den. The, co the coiling lurkers in the serpent poles appear to hint with their black socket jewels of some excitement imminent and held the men of laying back for they would be fools to spoil my hunt to find where my king dwells. A snicker echoed through my head and I knew that my god was watching with keen eye. Oh, how I shivered for his very touch. I offered up my mind for, to, for me to die, would lend a soul unworthy of his clutch. Hot are the sands of time, yet on I tread, for every step I take ignites my red, and pumping heart aflame with a desire for him, my God, to pull my heartstrings thread. My trembling thighs grow moist from sand, no sand fire. Hail, Nitocris, my patron, grant me skill and amorous endeavors, so the thrill of his enchantment will coil round my soul. O queen of ghouls, O goddess of the kill, adorn me with the power of your whole being, instill in me the strength beyond my mortal kin. My madness makes a bond with you and surely him. Oh, please be so. In swirls of yellow does my queen respond and give me her maddened blessing, though. Will it enough be for my lord, my king? Nalathotep, he speaks, yet will he sing? Into my ears soft words that vanish like the sand through fingers like the chill in spring. He is aware of me, and yet he will not strike. My God has come to me in dreams with sweet and feverish desires released in heat. His hands upon me set my skin aflame, and lingering his taste is still a treat upon my lips. His tongue began to claim the contours of my torso, hips, and thighs. He calls to me, I come beneath the skies of poison reds and fiery greens and stars that ever bleed upon these dreamland skies. Chaotic wasteland welcomes me and scars my mind like verse engraved on gray dark stone. Up marble stairs and over ashen zone, I start to hasten through the labyrinth green and yellow passages of stardust blown. Through the high windows open wide, which gleam the stuff of star winds in this land of dreams. The walls with baseless souls pulse at the seams where they would claw their way through the gray walls. They cry in direst warning, yet their screams are echoless, and I ignore their squalls. The night gods stalk me stealthily unseen in crevices above with senses keen. They know my presence, swift reflections from their rubber wings betraying their black sheen. They hunger for me, yet they will not come. I enter the last chamber high inside, the palace where he waits for me beside, a window looking over Dreamland's moon. He slightly turns his head toward his bride and fully faces me, oh, how I swoon. I stood before the pharaoh darkly masked, 
and I lost in pride as the quest tasked. We finally our meeting did allow. Oh love, will you unmask for me? I asked. His laughter echoed as he clutched his brow. A sinister abyss awaited mine. Awestruck and hungry gaze, yet I did cry. Aloud for beauty itself I beheld. Within my crimson teared and flaming eyes. My soul now his by his dire hand was felled. The crawling chaos stripped the flesh away. From my frail mortal husk and the decay. Began to set in and yet I was shown. Behind the mask as he beheld his prey. The laughter grew, only it was my own. Sam's Billiards for providing a place for the poetry to happen. Check out the books Lay of the Hex by Adam Bovillard. I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, Curse of the Sorceress? No, what, what is that? Uh, Diary of the Sorceress? Diary of a Sorceress by Ashley Dio says. And also, of course, The Crimson Tome by K.A. Opperman. And yes, uh, we made pumpkin jokes, as you heard. And I gave him a pumpkin donut. Yeah. All right, thank you again. And thank you for listening to PGTTCM. You can check us out at pgttcm.com. This was edited and recorded by D.B. Spitzer. And that's pretty much it. All right. You can always help support the show by going to our, I don't know, support button on the page you can go to the amazon link and anything you buy on amazon we get a tiny tiny percent for telling you to shop amazon and that's about it thank you so much bye